boom. <laughs> I'm gonna have to make that thing have like a, a cool, a cooler, more exciting uh, soundtrack. But uh, we are live. Welcome everybody. This is the uh, the first episode, the uh, pilot episode, the episode zero of uh, of what the block. Joseph came up with that name, and uh, I, I like it. You know, tell us, tell us if you don't like it. But if you don't like I, it, I was still rooting for crypto and coffee. I thought it was a nice juxtaposition to blockchain and booze. We we talked about crypto and coffee. We talked about we were joking about breakfast and booze. Then I yeah. was joking with the team. Why don't we just call it booze and breakfast? Just forget the blockchain part. Um, then uh, somebody posted on Twitter some some really funny ones. Somebody put like. The uh, the Alan Gorin experience or something, which sounded really awkward, and uh, and we had all sorts of ones, but I think Joseph wins with the uh, what the block. Whoa! It looks like we've already got you know twenty five plus people uh, here. Feel free to hit us up in the uh, comments. Oh man, that's exciting! We got people on LinkedIn. Um, you can watch it on LinkedIn, on YouTube, on uh, Facebook, on Periscope wherever we'll, we'll we'll figure we'll figure this out as we go everyone um the first guest ever is uh one of my most favorite people because he is one of the founders of rivet um uh austin austin welcome hi hey <laughs> um so for for people that don't know um i guess uh since it's the first one um although it's going to all of our channels just FYI, I'm Alon Gorin. I'm one of the founders of Draper Gorin Home. We're an early stage blockchain fund and venture studio. That just means we invest in early stage companies building in the blockchain space. And one of those companies is Rivet. So uh, full disclosure, we're investors in Rivet. You can go to drapergorinhome.com to see uh, all of our portfolio companies and all the companies we've invested in. But Austin, why don't we start by having you uh, uh, you know, introduce yourself a little more in depth and uh, and tell us a little more about Rivet. Yeah, so uh, my name is Austin Roberts, and uh, I I'm the CEO of uh, Open Relay, which is the company behind Rivet. And uh, you know, we started off about three and a half years ago now, building uh, Open Relay as an open source zero x relayer. And as we were building that, we realized that. But, you know, we, we had designed this system really well so that it was really low touch and we didn't have to manage it. But uh, it, it relied on Ethereum nodes because everything that's building on Ethereum has to have Ethereum nodes somewhere, whether you're running them yourself or, you know, getting them somewhere or, you know, getting some from a service like Rivet uh, or... Uh, you, you know, you might get data from somebody like Etherscan, but behind the scenes, they're getting that data from a node. So, you know, everybody needs Ethereum nodes if you're building on the Ethereum blockchain, and they're really hard to manage. I mean, you've got hundreds of gigabytes of data that you're getting from peers. You might be relying on somebody who's trying to run a node off of a Raspberry Pi on their garage on the other side of the planet. Uh, and, and that's where you're getting your information. And, and so... Uh, you know, you, you've got to verify all of that information. You've got to, you know, check, make sure you're up to date. You've got to maintain your peers. And then if your node crashes and you know, servers crash, it, it, it happens. You, you, you can't pretend that's not going to happen and expect to succeed. Um, so you've got all of these challenges in, in running a node. And 
you know, your, your business is fundamentally dependent on it. And so uh, be, being the kind of nerd that I am, I was not satisfied with outsourcing this to somebody else. And I was not satisfied with, uh, you know, it, it's a hard problem. I can't really do it myself. So you know, we, we, my team took a step back and looked at, you know, if, if we were designing node infrastructure from the ground up, how would we design it to be operationally manageable? And then we built that. So we, we forked uh, the Go Ethereum client and we built something that is operationally manageable that we can stand over. We know uh, that we've got high availability. Any part of our, our, any server in our stack can fail. In fact, multiple servers in our stack can fail and we just keep on, on chugging. And uh, by, by the time we were done, we started out with it as an open source project that we were hoping, you know, lots of projects were going to start running their own, you know, Infura competitors. Uh, but by the time we were done, we realized that you know, it, it costs thousands of dollars to run a high availability Ethereum cluster. Like e even yeah. doing it right the way we've done it. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so I was, I was actually, I, I want to dive into some of those things. But first, I want to sort of, you know, you, you, you got to, to a point that that's really interesting. So actually, I the, the way I met you, was you know talking to David Blesnack from Total, mm -hmm. and David was telling me you know was basically like he asked me one day he's like have have you talked to uh, to Austin have you talked with the crew from Rivet and I and I and I told him like I didn't even know what Rivet was and as much as I goof around and play with stuff and I built you know like the WordPress crypto plugin and things like that like I'm not a hardcore engineer at all I joke that I can I can you know mess with things uh, and break things, but I'm not gonna build something from scratch. So for me, this stuff was really, really foreign, but what, I, and I think for most people who aren't technical and building in this world, um, it, but what I kind of, from the business standpoint and from the sort of uh, usability standpoint and making things easier in a super complicated um, industry, uh, I remember asking David why he was so excited and why he was, you know, so interested in, you know, uh, investing in Rivet. Why, why we should be working with you guys? And I said, well, well, what do you guys do for a node infrastructure? And I remember he told me that one of their team members spent almost full time just managing their node or their nodes when when they did it themselves, and that it cost them, you know, thousands of dollars. Not just, you know, uh, you've got the salaries, you've got the hardware, you've got, yeah. Yeah, it's just to, to run it. And I don't know if they got special hardware for it, but they probably used Amazon or something like that. And that, that stuff gets really, really expensive. So he, he told me that he was, you know, he, he switched over to you guys and it saved him, his company, thousands of dollars uh, immediately. Um, and now actually that the space has, has grown and matured and totals, you know, traffic volume is, is going through, uh, through the roof, um, he uh, he basically has, um, you know, like uh, he basically explained to me that they'd probably be spending like five or ten x what they do on you guys if they had to run it themselves. You know, they saved money immediately, but but now it's it would be even more because they have so much more volume. Yeah, well, and and so you know, part of the way we redesigned it made it easier to manage, but part of it also made it more efficient. So the nodes that we run. Uh, are, are capable of processing about four times as many requests as a conventional Ethereum node uh, before they start 
lagging behind because of an inability, you know, a, a conventional Ethereum node isn't just serving you requests. It's also uh, processing all of this data that it's getting from somebody's Raspberry Pi on the other side of the planet. Uh, and so it's got all of this, this data that it's got to process. Uh, because of our, the, the system that we've designed, we, we delegate that to some computers, but that's not the servers that are, are handling your requests. The servers that are handling your requests are just handling requests so they can do that much more efficiently. Yeah, so so I wanna yeah, so I wanna I wanna jump into so talking about doing it more efficiently. So you guys recently um, I forgot the term. Uh, it, what what is it called when you set up servers around the world so that it's just uh, oh fun. yeah we we went to a multi-region setup. Yeah, there we go. I knew that. I knew uh, that was just a brain fart. So you switch to a multi-region uh, setup that makes it more scalable. Um, another thing that when you mentioned at the beginning, and we've been talking about a little bit, that would be, um, uh, uh, oh, here, a LinkedIn user just asked this question. So this this is important, right? Like the, the yeah. diving, we've, we're diving into the weeds already, but, but you know, so, so what's the answer to this? You guys are an, a third party node service provider, correct? Yes, absolutely, yeah. So, so we, we manage an open source project where anybody can, uh, you know, try and run their own highly available setup, but it, you know, it's expensive to do so, um, you know, especially for a small project like, you know, we started off with Open Relay. Open Relay's rivet bill would be about $40 a month. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, to spend thousands of dollars on the infrastructure for a project that's going to pay $40 a month. And yeah, and for me, you know, I, I, I signed up and I, you know, played with it a tiny bit as a like semi-technical person, but where it really... Uh, helped me kind of understand the product. So um, if you're listening, a cool way, and I, I posted this on Twitter a bunch of times, especially when every once in a while, one of Rivet's competitors will, will go down or something like that. And, um, you know, you'll feel stuck because, you know, that competitor might be the competitor that powers MetaMask, right? Mm -hmm. And if, you're, uh, if MetaMask can't connect to the network, you can't transact. So, uh, so I learned how to upgrade your MetaMask to use um, the RPC. What does RPC stand for again? It's remote procedure call. It's a it, it, it's a protocol that you know long predates Web three. So, so you you the 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 RPC URL or the code that you get. I think it's a URL um, from Rivet when you sign up, like literally in one click. You can take that, put that into your MetaMask, and have a secondary node for MetaMask. So let's say it goes down, or you're not happy with that service or whatever, you literally can just you're you're now using Rivet to access the Ethereum infrastructure through MetaMask, which is really really cool. So it's always cool to have it as an update. If if you're super nerdy and you've ever connected to the XDAI chain or something like that, it's the same exact process. Um, but now you're just adding a new way to get to Ethereum mainnet. It's a cool way to test it and, and connect. But where I was going to go before is you mentioned that you originally started by forking open source code. So this, this whole thing is also open sourced and, and you know, available to community, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so, so there's really two aspects to our open source code base. We've got our fork of the Go Ethereum client, where we have introduced streaming replication, which lets us separate out the the processing data that we get from uh, from peers on the internet to the the ones that are handling the requests. Um, but then there's all, we have also open sourced uh, documentation and cloud formation templates, 
So if you want to run this on the Amazon Web Services, there is a CloudFormation template that you can go out and deploy, fill in a few parameters about how you want to run your stack, uh, and it will be up and running. Uh, it takes a couple of hours to do the initial sync uh, when you're standing up a new stack, but then uh, you're, you're off and running, and um, you, 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 you can run this yourself if, if you don't want to yeah. trust this sort of information to a third party, which is understandable. I mean, that's kind well, of- Well, that's, that's, that's an interesting thing because this is something I actually, you'd, you'd mentioned to me in the past, and I've like talked, talked to you guys about this in the past, and you talked about privacy, and, and I remember seeing something where it said like, you know, best in class privacy protection and stuff like that. But I actually found out literally this week um, from, from you guys that, a lot of the node service providers don't protect your privacy um, as well as they probably should. If, no, I shouldn't say that. Uh, I shouldn't say that. that that's, that's probably casting you know, What did I say is their privacy policies yes. protect them against accidentally sharing your, your, uh, your information. And some of them may even be protected from selling your information, which seems what? completely backwards from what we're trying to build. Right. It was, and, and you you think about the type of information that is going across you know our servers and their servers. You know when when you, you know, for example set up MetaMask or if you're using you know Total because that, that's a, a DApp that uses our service. Uh, you know when you query for your token balance through us, we get both your IP address and your your token address, right? And we could link those together. We don't, and our privacy policy assures you that we won't. Um, but uh, uh, you know, we can't tell you what some of our competitors are doing with that information that's going across their systems. And and while we have a very strong privacy that lets you you know sue us into oblivion if we were to to sell that information, uh, some of our competitors have privacy policies that you know, protect them. And, and essentially give them to write the right to sell that data. That doesn't mean that they are, but it yeah. means they wouldn't have recourse if they did. Yeah. So, but I, I feel like that that should be enough to like ev everyone in the crypto community right now is talking about censorship and different things like that. And whatever side of the argument you're you're on, um, whether the a for profit company can can decide what to do and. Uh, you know, and what responsibilities to have or whatever. What you do know is part of the beauty of blockchain is its transparency, uh, the fact that you can't censor it and, and everything else. So it, I feel like there needs, like this was mind blowing to me. Like this actually scared me uh, because I was thinking, you know, I can control my, my MetaMask, right? And I can switch it to Rivet. That's pretty easy, um, you know, at least, at least for me and I figured it out. But you know, now should we like almost have like a, a, a call to to arms, like again, not not like in a in a you know uh, violent sort of crazy way, but like should we just should people should be making a stand saying like if you're running a DAP, like think about all these DAPs that um, you know uh, I, I don't know, just if you're running a, a a product on Ethereum, I don't think that you know. Um, you should be able to, to keep that information. The whole point 
you know, right. uh, of this, of the, it just seems crazy. Like, should, should we be bugging, like, you know, should I call up Stani from Ave and be like, what the hell, dude, you need to, you shouldn't be using, like, do you run your own nodes? What do you do to, to mitigate right. this? Because this is scary, right? Like, and, and I mean, you know, ultimately from a privacy perspective, the best thing you can do is to run your own nodes, but you're going to have a hard time keeping them up all the time. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's not realistic, right? Like, right. I, it's not realistic for ninety nine point nine percent of people, right? I mean, I and 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 if you run your own nodes, it doesn't stop you. You're talking from the DAP, but I'm talking about me as an individual. How do I know, you know, if I'm using um, Compound or if I'm using Ave or if I'm using um, Balancer? And most of us don't go, you know, you know. I have no idea. You know, you could, I guess, try to access them directly through the smart contracts, uh, so they don't see your IP right. on the level of, of you know, like, they, but they get, we're all right. Yeah, no. And, 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 like, you know, if you go to Compound or you go to Ave, and, and I, I probably shouldn't use specific examples here because I'm not sure who follows this pattern and who doesn't. But th there, there is kind of a pattern where. You know, you might log in with MetaMask, so you've and your browser has injected your own Web three provider that tells it how to get this information and sign it. And some projects will, or some DApps will, see this injected Web three and say, "Okay, the users provided Web three. I'm going to route everything through the users Web three because they have expressed a preference for where they want to get this information." But then there's others that will say, you know, injected Web3, sometimes it's unreliable, uh, you know, it might flake out a little bit. I'm going to use this other service provider that I have made the determination um, is, you know, more reliable, maybe not more trustworthy, but more reliable. Uh, and, and rather than routing these, you know, I'm still going to use the user's injected Web3 for signing transactions because I have to. But but for everything else, I'm, I'm going to use the service provider that I know and trust. And we don't even really encourage our customers to do that. You know, they'd be sending us more traffic. That would be more money for us. But when a user injects a Web3, they or when a user's browser injects a Web3 backend or a Web3 provider, they are asserting some level of trust that this is where I want my information to go. And to, to go around that and use some other provider, you know, I, I think is very much a privacy anti-pattern. Yeah, I mean, what, is there anything other than that IP portion of things? Like, is this solved by a VPN or is there more to it as well? well so, 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 you know, a, a VPN might help to a degree, but if you're, say, trading, uh, imagine you're running like a, a, a trading strategy, an arbitrage strategy, and even if you're going over a VPN, they might not be able to link it back to your IP address, but they can see, okay, this person has just queried for this token, this token, and this token across Kyber, uh, Bancor, you know, whatever yeah. else. And they could maybe say, okay, I see this arbitrage opportunity because this customer, uh, uh -huh. you know, just ran all yeah. of your queries and then they could potentially front run that arbitrage opportunity before you get a chance to run it yourself because they were able to see all of the queries that you ran. So they don't necessarily have to have the logic themselves develop, you know, they, they can just see the queries that you're running, realize that you're about to, to take this arbitrage opportunity and take it before you get the chance, even though you're paying them for access to that information. 
Gotcha. Yeah, there's 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 all sorts of things, and I'm sure that over time, and then and again, I'm not time, saying anybody is doing that. I'm saying yeah. it's, it's an opportunity that they have. Yeah, I mean, but the thing is, we we look at um, we look at uh, uh, you know big companies, uh, non crypto companies, when and we look at their privacy policies, and we'll we'll be appalled if they if they put something in their policy that we don't agree with, and the whole community will be like, you know remove WhatsApp, you know, use this program, use that program, whatever, if Facebook says something, not even if they do something, if they just say that they might, you know? So the fact that we don't hold the crypto community to the same standard seems, seems, uh, seems pretty insane. Um, uh, but, but this is a bit of a tangent, you know, but, but I, it's, it's an interesting conversation. It's kind of fun to, to, to talk about now. What you know for for me using using Rivet and testing Rivet has been really fun because it was really really simple um, and uh, and and really easy. I think people um, something that that's very cool as well um, that I wanted to throw out there is that you can do most things and run most DApps, especially at the beginning, and learn from uh, from from using Rivet or test Rivet completely under the free tier uh, for the most part, right? I don't. You know, I've I've tested a bunch of times. I've been able to stay under the free tier to to learn. Can you tell people yeah. what how much that is and all that? Yes. Yeah, so, so so we offer a free tier of three million requests a month. Um, that essentially gives you about a hundred thousand requests a day. But if you want to run three million requests on the first day of the month and then uh, uh, you know not have any for the rest of the month, you can do that too. Um, so. Um, yeah, I mean, essentially, that that is enough for a lot of small. You know, we we started off with a free tier of uh, five hundred thousand requests a month, and then bumped it up to three million, and that pushed a, several of our customers down from paid tier to the free tier. That's um, and, and so, you know, there are a lot of users out there uh, that can get by entirely on our free tier. Um, so, and you know, we're we're, we're happy to to help people get started. And and something that, that's cool too, and I know now I feel like I'm going through my head of things that are cool about, about Rivet. Um, uh, oh, cool, let's, let's see. So, so um, this LinkedIn user just said, you know, so that tier would be uh, for a small startup running a beta. Uh, you know, absolutely. So, well, so, so actually I want to clarify a little bit mm -hmm. on that. So, so we, we have, if you sign up with email, we have our free tier that's $3 million, not $3 million, $3 million requests uh, a month. And um, so, so you start off with that, but it doesn't go away. So, so you, yeah. you can put in your credit card, go up to a paid tier. We charge $1 for every 100,000 requests, but you still get that first 3 million uh, a month uh, but before we start charging you. And, and, and you know, that's one of the things that, you know, so, so most of our competitors have what we call t-shirt sizing where, you know, they've got small, medium and large and you got to bump up and, you know, your price quadruples every time you go up to the next tier. Um, but with Rivet, it, you know, it, it's once you roll over that next hundred thousand, we charge you one more dollar. You know, there's never a big leap. And, and so, you know, there, there are some customers who, you know, are just a little bit over that, that 3 million requests a month and we charge them $2 a month. Um, that's that that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think that's something that's interesting. Like like Adele just said, lots of room to test the app, but even start production. I think there, I do know of a bunch of people that are in production that are in that free tier, and 
uh, growing right. and stuff like that. So and, um, and even our biggest customers, you used Total as an example earlier, they right. still get that three million requests a month for free, even though they use way more than that. That's that. That's really cool. That's awesome. Um, and and I know that you guys support hackathons and give people a bunch of credit so they can test and learn. Um, you should follow. Uh, you should follow Rivet on on Twitter because there's always these opportunities for more free requests. Also, but something I wanted to throw out there um, uh, before we we signed off too um, was that that it you know uh, we're we're investors in Prime DAO. And Prime is is using uh, Rivet, but what's very very cool that you know is happening now is that you know DAOs are able to use Rivet even if they don't have bank accounts, don't have um, emails or anything like that. They can you can now connect directly from a um, you know from a uh, uh, you know oh here we go yeah. that that's Rivet Rivet on uh, on Twitter, but um, so you know. You know, you can. I, I know that now. I can connect directly through Web three. I don't even have to give you my email address. I can yep. pay for requests in advance and stay totally anonymous uh, as well. You know, speaking of privacy. Yeah. So, um, and, and we do have some customers who have signed up with Web three, uh, pay with crypto. We have no idea who they are. We couldn't get a hold of them if we needed to. Um, but the, you know, th that's the way those customers want to run. That, that's wild. I guess that's that's a part part of the of the crypto space, right? You know, and part of uh, being the infrastructure provider for the space. So before before we sign off, any any last minute plugs? Uh, Rivet.cloud is their website. Yeah, um, yeah. Rivet.cloud. Sign up is super easy. You don't you you, you can sign in with Web three or. Uh, um, or or put in your email address if you. Go the email route. It takes about forty-five seconds to sign up. You get your three million requests a month for free. Um, you know, pretty yeah. quick and easy. Uh, and then, if you're going to go over the the free tier limit, we'll send you an email. You can uh, put in your credit card, or you can buy uh, crypto, buy credits with crypto uh, in order to keep keep running. That's awesome. And then one last quick thing, because one of the users were asking is, what type of technical support do you guys offer? Um, so we have, for, for most of our, our bigger cu uh, customers that we have uh, existing relationships with, we will set up a telegram where you know they can hit, hit us up any time of day or night with uh, questions as they have them. Uh, aside from that, we have support at rivet.cloud for, for email support. And then during business hours, we have uh, a, a chat app on our, uh, on, on rivet.cloud where you can, uh, reach out directly with questions that goes straight through to our Slack. So we all get notifications and somebody will get with you quickly. That's very, very cool. Austin, thanks for uh, joining me on this first, uh, this episode zero or episode one, whatever the heck we want to call it. Um, I think we should start with zero. We should start with zero. I need to go and edit all of the posts that <laughs> that's that episode. Well, you've already one. said it's one, then it's one, but you know, well, you know that's the great I, thing. It's I kind of a developer. I do zero indexing. We need to censor ourselves and, and edit our stuff. And uh, uh, hey, thank, thanks, thanks, Carlos, for joining us. Uh, Carlos is the host of an epic, awesome TV show on uh, called Beyond TV, um, or Carlos and Lisa on Beyond TV. Uh, I get to promote crypto on his uh, on television, thanks to Carlos. So give that give that a uh, a view. And uh, thanks for for joining us, Matthew, as well. 
Um, all right, everyone. We will uh, see you next time. All right. Thanks, Alan. Thanks.